This is made possible by Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for August 31st, 2022. Your old pal, Justin Robert Young, joining you. We got a hell of a show here for you. We're going to talk about the predicament the Republican Party finds themselves in on abortion. Quite simply, in my opinion, the Dobbs decision is something that has changed the dynamics of the midterms. It is a gift for the Democrats, as now they have an opportunity to rally a crowd for which might not have been excited to go to the polls. And yet the Republicans don't have an answer. It's not that they have no possible recourse. It's just that they have no branding around it. We take a look at the problem where some candidates are already turning and whether or not I think it'll be enough. We're also going to do a fun little segment, a fun little segment. I like to call look out <laughs> because right now, all oh, these polls, these polls are all around about the midterms. They're buzzing around like flies. They just hit you in the face on Twitter. All of a sudden, oh my God, there's a new poll. Ah, look out. I got a couple of them for you. And they point to a roiling storm in what's going to be, in my opinion, a very close and telling midterm election. And finally, we are joined by the one, the only, the magnificent Tom Merritt. Tom Merritt's going to talk to us about Twitter because there is a Twitter story out here for which is just insane. And it's not the one that we've been following. It's not the fact that it is, is being attempted to be purchased by Elon Musk. And then Elon doesn't want to pay so much. And he claims that there's a bunch of bots that are happening and then they're going to the court about it. No, 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 no. This is something on top of it that I believe is undercovered. So, We've got the abortion stuff. We've got a lookout segment pretending to our watch. All that. But first. On June 4th, Of this year, the Republican Party was up 2.5 percentage points on the generic congressional ballot, according to the Real Clear Politics average. That was also the same day that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade with their decision on Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. As I speak to you today, Tuesday, August 30th, the Republicans are only up 0.08 percent in the same metric 
with the Democrats briefly taking the lead in the average in mid-August. So let me go ahead and make this very, very, very clear one more time. Abortion has made itself the clear differentiator between the two parties in the midterm. Combined with a slowed but not gone inflation on cost of living expenses, the Democrats have a clear chance to limit their losses in the House and either hold or expand their slim lead in the Senate. Now, later this week, we're going to talk to our friend Bill Scher from Washington Monthly and Real Clear Politics about the Democrat strategy. But today, I want to talk about the Republican quandary on abortion. Now, in my essay episode about abortion a few months ago, I positioned the GOP as the dog who caught the car. Specifically because... Republican politics on abortion previous to the reversal of Roe naturally appealed to a more extreme position because they'd lost. Purity to the ideology meant more than pragmatism. Because, like it or not, believe in its utility or not, at that time, Roe was the law of the land. A pro-life message is required to tap into religious and evangelical communities. But with the issue settled in the courts and the desire for a legislative solution non-existent, Republican politicians found themselves moving further and further from the center to prove themselves as true fighters. This, of course, has led to trigger laws tied to Roe. Trigger laws that I'm not sure many of the politicians who voted for them thought would ever well trigger. Then, of course, Mitch McConnell bets it all on red in 2016. Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies from a fatal dose of hero worship before she retired in 2020. And bada bing, bada boom, here we are. So let's fast forward to these midterms. The Democrats have an issue that matters to their voters more than the economy, according to a CBS poll this week. They have a reason to get out the vote, even if the economy isn't great. And they have cause to run the same playbook on abortion they've run a million times. But just like Jaws 2, this time it's personal. The playbook is simple. Republicans are theocrats who can't wait until Handmaid's Tale is a reality show. And that's been effective. And the candidates that need to win for the Republican Party this cycle are feeling that heat. In Arizona, GOP nominee for Senate Blake Masters has made headlines for altering his headlines, specifically those on his website, to scrub certain abortion phrases, one of which is personhood law. Now, personhood law is a loaded term that even the fractured pro-life side of the aisle can't seem to agree on what it means. But in broad strokes, it means that the pre-born would have the same rights as the born. That would include, in some cases, claims for the mother to collect child support. And in the fears, it might mean a woman who gets an abortion could be charged 
for premeditated murder. Now, when a fertilized egg or fetus becomes a person is up for debate. However, on the more extreme end, it could move the goalposts past the argument over the procedure of abortion and into the personhood of the unborn. Blake Masters didn't want no part of a window into that level of extremism. Although he said that the changes to his website were to make clear what he's always believed, and that is that a quote-unquote personhood law would provide the foundation to ban third trimester abortions, something that we covered in the essay episode, is broadly popular. He also called Arizona's ban on abortion after 15 weeks a quote-unquote reasonable solution. In the essay episode, we posited that based on polling, a cutoff line between 15 and 20 weeks seems to be about where the national consensus is. Which leads us to why this is going to continue to be a problem for Republicans, I would predict, through these elections. Because the party itself is not united on a solution to it policy-wise. Not only can they not get on the same page, I would hazard a guess that they're terrified they're going to alienate a key demographic just as they're asking them to go to the polls. Without a party-wide brand on what the abortion stance is, it's hard for individual candidates to break through. Although it's not to say that some are not trying. You deserve to know where candidates stand, not be scared by false ads. Here's the truth. The governor supports abortion up to birth. That's extreme. I'm personally pro-life, but I believe we can all come together on a policy that reflects our shared values. We can end late-term abortion while protecting access to contraception and health care. I'm Mark Ronchetti, and I approve this message because I know this issue is as important to you as it is to us. That is GOP candidate for governor in New Mexico, Mark Ronchetti. Most recent polls have him down to incumbent Lawan Grisham by mid-single digits. Here's another. Hi, I'm Tiffany Smiley. Patty Murray has spent millions to paint me as an extremist. I'm pro-life, but I oppose a federal abortion ban. She shows you this picture of me and Trump, but doesn't show you this one or mention I was there fighting for veterans health care. What's extreme? 30 years in the Senate and nothing to show for it. Patty Murray wants to scare you. I want to serve you. I'm Tiffany Smiley, and I approve this message. That is Tiffany Smiley running as a Republican for Senate against incumbent Democrat Patty Murray. The picture that Smiley is referring to in that ad is one with her and Murray. So she puts the picture of her and Trump side by side with the one with her and uh, Murray. To be honest, either Smiley or Ron Ketty, in my opinion, have much of a shot to win their elections. But I will be interested to see if more of the candidates in competitive races feel they need to speak on this topic more. The fact that some of them are altering their websites would suggest that's a possibility. 
Now, the old campaign adage is if you're explaining, you're losing. And certainly a Republican candidate taking time to explain their views on abortion would fall into that. But I do think that there's room for nuance here. The post-Roe world is the beginning of a new conversation. And Republicans have an opportunity to define a path forward for them that, at the very least, is not the glowing eyes theocrat that the Democrats will and are painting them as. As for the Democrats, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Here is the ad that they ran against Ronchetti in New Mexico in response to his, hey, I'm not so extreme ad. Behind Mark Ronchetti's smooth smile and slick PR campaign, his plan will take away abortion rights in New Mexico. Ronchetti said he opposes abortion at all stages and was endorsed by extremists who want to criminalize abortion, even in cases of rape and incest. The real Ronchetti would take away a woman's right to control her own body. We can't trust Ronchetti as governor. Paid for by Planned Parenthood Votes New Mexico Independent Expenditure Committee. It's effectively theocrat says what? And if the Republicans don't have an answer for it, the Democrats will continue to hit them with that exact same line. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to thank you for supporting this show. We've had an influx of new patrons, folks who know, folks who know that this is the time to make sure that you get not one, not two, not three, but four episodes of this podcast in your ears each and every week. We are only 10 weeks away from the midterms and... Boy, howdy, is it getting spicy in here. Just wait until I read you these polls that are happening. Now, rain, sleet, or snow, I'm going to make sure you get your podcast. In fact, I'm back on the stupid road this week, so you guys will hear me from a possibly undisclosed location at some point on Thursday. And any news that breaks... In between. And by the way, I've been doing these things. Look, you know stuff winds up happening during midterms. You know, the president got raided by the FBI. The ex-president got raided by the FBI. The first time that we were able to talk about it, that was on Thursday. Anyway, here's the deal. Head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you need to go. $3 level gets you two bonus episodes each and every week. And the $10 level gets you that, plus your name read at the end of the program. It is you guys who keep this party churning. Thank you so much. Uh, look out! 
Dude, we've got a new segment called Lookout. It's called an overreaction to polling. There's a lot of polling, and we better look out, or else we're gonna miss the polling and hyperventilating to the hairpin turns that happen during a campaign. All right, here we go. Here's our first poll that we gotta look out for. All right, this one is in Wisconsin. Wisconsin taking uh, over three days between August 22nd and 25th. 1,091 likely voters. It has Ron Johnson, the incumbent Republican senator from the state of Wisconsin, down to his Democratic challenger, Barnes, down by two points. All right, so we're still within the margin of error here. But that's not what we have to look out for. No. What we have to look out for is that this just isn't any poll. It's a Trafalgar Group poll. Oh, there's a lot of Trafalgar Group polls in this segment. If you're unfamiliar, the Trafalgar Group wants to write it as a partisan hack shop just there to pump up Republican numbers, has, after a few cycles where Republican votes were undercounted, specifically in states like Wisconsin, now they are looked at by 538 as an A- pollster. Okay. So what does it mean that a Democrat is up by two points in that particular situation by a poll that accurately, seemingly, counts Republican support. Mm, We don't know for sure, but it certainly is something we need to look out for. Let's move on over to Pennsylvania. No, no, no. Not Dr. Oz. Let's take a look at that run for governor. Because the 538 average still has it in the high single digits with Shapiro over Mastriano, the Republican. But let's take a look at a few recent polls. How about one from the 15th to the 18th of August and another from August 22nd to 23rd? The first has Shapiro only up four. And the more recent has Shapiro only up three. The first was from the Trafalgar Group. The second from Emerson College. Both A-538 pollsters. Might that race be just a little closer than we might think? Something to look out for. And let's also keep it going in Pennsylvania for Senate. There we have Fetterman, who in the average is up around 10 to 11 points on Dr. Oz. And yet Trafalgar has Fetterman up five. Emerson College also has Fetterman up five. So not quite what the spread has been. We will see how that continues to develop because whether or not you like the 
Dr. Oz campaign, two things have certainly changed. Number one, he's become more of a direct assault vehicle on Fetterman. He is now actively harassing Fetterman uh, for not debating him. He has included Fetterman's health as an out and out campaign tactic. But also Fetterman has drawn the target of a lot of Republican media. You're seeing a lot more attention on Fetterman to highlight his negatives. And so it seems that Fetterman has done a good enough job in this race that now the strategy from the Republican side is Oz is just the means to an end. We've got to stop Fetterman. And like I pointed out in my episode last week, I don't think that Fetterman is immune to such strategies. You know, he should be on the lookout. One more, one more poll that I want to point out here. And that is down in Georgia. Remember, we are looking at only a few opportunities in Arizona, in Nevada, and in Georgia for the Republicans to win one seat from the Democrats. And if they hold their seats, then they will be in the majority. I've heard a lot of people talking, including Scrimshaw on this podcast last week, that Herschel Walker was not going to be viable. Well, we don't have a ton of polling in that. Phillips Academy which was a 971 registered voter poll from August 3rd to the 7th, had Walker up too. Now, I mean, whoever heard of the Phillips Academy Polling Institute, right? But how about Emerson? Again, that A-minus polling outfit, according to 538, they've got Walker up too as well. So let's look at all of this in aggregate. Number one, this is going to be a close election. All right. This is going to be a nail biter, bite your cuticles out, close race. Uh, I think a lot of these, no matter what you think of Herschel Walker, no matter what you think of Dr. Oz, no matter what you think of Blake Masters, I don't think that anybody is doing anything that will absolutely make this a blowout. I do believe this is going to be a nationalized election. I do believe that you have two motivated sides. Abortion giving the Democrats the issue they needed to get people off their asses. That being said, we are beginning to see statistical evidence that in the races that were wider like in Pennsylvania, that they are closing and that this race in Georgia is going to be an uphill battle for Raphael Warnock. If Herschel Walker is leading in the polls right now and Brian Kemp is popular and Stacey Abrams isn't going to turn people out like she did back in 2018, then Raphael Warnock is going to have to outperform her, which I do think he will, it's going to be tight. It's also interesting that Trafalgar and Emerson are finding the same kinds of numbers. They are finding that Mastriano is more popular than Dr. Oz. They are finding that 
Oz is trailing by closer to mid-single digits than low double digits like some of the other polls. But if you buy that, then you probably also got to buy that Johnson is in trouble in Wisconsin. And that is a seat for which nobody really thought was in play. If anybody other than Trafalgar put Barnes up, I might not look at it twice. But holy moly, that is something to keep an eye on. Our guest today is no stranger to the program. He is the host of the Daily Tech News Show. And you want to know what? He's just a swell guy. Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Merritt joins us yet again. Welcome to the show, Tom. Oh, Justin, thank you for having me back. It's great to be here. Twitter, the company that if words and media coverage were profitability, probably wouldn't be in the situations that it constantly finds itself in, has found itself in more of a a media storm. In fact, one thing broke right before we started recording, and that is a rumor that uh, Twitter was in the process of creating their own OnlyFans competitor, which is interesting that it's only fans and not, you know, Patreon or Yeti or any of these other, you know, kind of uh, uh, monetization platforms. But no, only fans specifically with all of that that comes along with that. Uh, um, obviously, this is a report of an internal thing that was since spiked. But is there anything that you know about it other than that? Uh, not much. I, I know The Verge got a hold of of documents. Uh, Twitter has acknowledged that the report is real uh, and that it was quote, part of a discussion which ultimately led us to pause the work stream for the right reasons. Uh, essentially, they, I assume, look at, well, should we get into this market anytime there's a market? They probably yes. looked at whether they should do TikTok, uh, you know, at some point. That doesn't, that shouldn't surprise folks, the the fact that they were looking at that. Uh, I think the smoking gun here that most people see is that there's a CSAM problem on Twitter, which was the reason they stopped. They're like, well, we have child pornography on Twitter. And until we can put a stop to that, we shouldn't get into an OnlyFans situation, which makes perfect sense to me. Uh, But it does look like people are like, okay, but you didn't do anything to fix it. Uh, And that's the part that's not in the report. And I don't know that they haven't done anything to fix it, but it does seem like it still might be a problem. And so they haven't fixed it, whether they've tried or not. This is a tech take, but it's one I've made on Daily Tech News Show many times. Sell me my live television Twitter. For the love of God, it's the it's the most natural thing to know exactly where uh, what my friends are watching. No other platform can effectively say this is the water cooler conversation right now, especially in live other than Twitter. I would drop. I like sling. I've had I've been a sling 
devotees since they sold hardware and I love their hardware. And so I've maintained the, the, the very same, same, samey uh, uh, access to live channels that YouTube and PlayStation and various other places have with Sling because of that. I dropped them in five seconds if Twitter did it. But again, this is going to be uh, the, the theme of this conversation that will eventually reach as high as politics and foreign uh, influence. Boy, does this company have a hard time focusing on anything. Yeah, you haven't even mentioned that they launched circles to everybody today. And for some reason, everyone wants to talk about Elon Musk uh, subpoenaing Peter Zetko. What's that about? (laughs) All right, so let's get into the story that I think has weirdly been undercovered for a company that that is is dissected within an inch of its life because there is this overlay of Elon Musk and his quixotic journey to buy Twitter or ruin Twitter. Who knows how this succession episode is going to end, (laughs) but uh, that's gotten a lot of the conversation while there's a whistleblower who's got a lot to say about how Twitter was run. Tell us the mudge of it all, Tom. Yes. Mudge uh, is the name uh, under which Peter Zacko goes. Uh, He is well-respected for his intellect and abilities in the security realm. Uh, and, and, and generally speaking, uh, considered to be an ethical guy. Uh, he comes out of a hacker ethos. And when I use the word hacker there, I mean it in the broadest sense of people who like to poke holes in things with, for vulnerabilities, maybe sometimes for ill ends, maybe sometimes for good ends, maybe sometimes for some gray area in the middle. Mudge comes out of that. Uh, he, I think became more famous for some people in the, in the less gray areas for working with DARPA on mm-hmm. cybersecurity, uh, running security for them at, at one point. Uh, he, he worked on a program to detect espionage uh, and he was hailed when Jack Dorsey hired him as security chief for Twitter as a great idea. Get, get somebody like Mudge who really knows security to come in and lock down security on Twitter. And this was right after they had that kind of embarrassing breach where, where, where someone was able to just kind of uh, socially engineer the passwords for everybody, Barack Obama, yeah. uh, Elon Musk and, and all of that. Uh, Mudge All was of a sudden, then, everybody had PS5s that they wanted to uh, give away. <laughs> All that, you that, had to right. do, yeah. Everybody was giving away a PS, a PlayStation. Uh, in January 2022, uh, CEO Parag Agrawal, who had taken over after Jack Dorsey left, fired Zatko. Uh, and uh, they, they said that uh, it was because of poor performance, which a lot of people are very suspicious of because Mudge's performance is, is universally acknowledged to be not poor. So he is a whistleblower, right? Like did, did he came out under the, the whistleblower protocols? Yeah. So he filed a uh, 200 page complaint with the securities and exchange commission under their whistleblower rules. Uh, so-called uh, saying, look, uh, Twitter is deceiving its shareholders. Uh, it's violating its agreement with the FTC. And here's, you know, a list of the abuses that I was a witness to, uh, some of which may or may not qualify as actual abuses. They're, they're just color commentary, but but some of them, if true, uh, would be clear violations uh, of rules and, and in some cases, violations of the law. The the thing that wound up getting, I think, the most press because it plugs into the Elon Musk narrative is the idea of bots and and Twitter mm-hmm. being willfully 
ignorant or turning a blind eye toward the bot problem on the site, if not fudging their uh, their numbers, as Elon suggests. And we can get to that in a second. What fascinates me about this and what I think is undercovered on places that aren't Daily Tech News Show, of course, uh, of course, is the the amount of people that had access to admin privileges for this website. Yeah, that that, if true, is if true to me, the biggest problem that Zatko, a.k.a. Mudge, acknowledges here. Uh, I've read different numbers. Uh, it seems that at least 5,000 full-time employees had access had, or do have access, possibly, to sensitive user data uh, and software that can change how Twitter works. Uh, don't look at that and say, well, gosh, 5,000 people are running wild and doing crazy things. Uh, let's assume every single one of those 5,000 full-time employees is perfectly vetted and trustworthy. That's still just too many people. You 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 have a you have a huge surface area for attack because as vetted and ethical as every one of those five thousand people can be, uh, all of them have nights when they're tired, uh, moments when they're not paying attention, uh, and moments when a phishing attack can get into the system. Uh, so you want to keep that as low as possible of a chance. Five thousand is just too much. I, I, I've heard security professionals say that that number is irresponsibly high, uh, and and I can see why they would say that. Well, considering a, a cursory Google that I just did said that there are currently 3,900 employees at Twitter, if the total amount of people who during Mudge's reign was 5,000, then that's a healthy amount of people that have come <laughs> through that building. They, they've laid off some people since he was there, but also that probably includes contractors, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I don't see him saying that former employees, if you're like, oh, I bet they didn't re revoke access. Uh, maybe, but I don't, I haven't seen that allegation. It's just that too many people in the building uh, have access. And the anecdote, the, the thing that's, that Mudge did in this filing is make an assertion and then tell an anecdote uh, to illustrate it. So he yeah. said during the January 6th riots, he wanted to lock down internal access. He wanted to stop employees from, from getting emotional, yeah, whatever side they were on, and doing something with their access. And he says it was impossible because all the engineers had access uh, and their access wasn't logged. So it was just, it was just impossible to, to narrow it down and, and shut off access, which again is bad is if true is bad management. Like you, you want to be able to segment off people and say, okay, this class of user can't access. We have a, a very small trusted user group and, and that wasn't there as well. Some people have pointed out, well, if Zotko was in charge, why didn't he fix it before then? Uh, you know, so it, it, there, there are some questions of how did it get bad, so bad under his watch? It's not like that was his first day there. Uh, but I think what he's saying is uh, there were headwinds on this stuff. I, I wanted to change it, but the everybody's got a boss. Yeah, and, exactly. uh, especially if you are the security person, sometimes those decisions are made uh, uh, because they don't want the company to be embarrassed by the fix. You know, nobody, nobody wants to take the cure if it means that they have to disclose the disease. Tom, we usually have these conversations for a, a tech literate audience. I'm sure that there are many people who are listening right now who probably uh, have a hard time figuring out how to get their computer to work uh, and their printer. So if we are to describe what 
admin access is and how effective it can be on a site like Twitter, what would be the best way to describe that? Yeah, it's not even a great term because admin privileges on a single machine means something very specific. It means yeah. you have the ability to universally change everything on your machine. Uh, it's why you may hear sometimes people say you shouldn't be logged in as admin all the time because that if someone were to get into your account, then they could universally change things on the machine. You should have separate access for that. What people are throwing around the word admin in relation to this is, is folks having wide-ranging privileges in the Twitter system. Uh, so the ability to push new code into the code base uh, that could do something without needing a lot of eyes on it or needing a lot of approval to make it work. Uh, that could ch fundamentally change the way Twitter works. It could shuttle data places. Uh, it could it could change people's usernames. And I think that's the thing that, that particularly uh, folks are concerned about is I can go in and see everything in your account. I could see your phone number. I could see your email address. I could see who your friends are, who you've posted to. Uh, with a, a platform the size of Twitter, it's not like the employees are going to be having enough time to do that on a regular basis. But if they wanted to target somebody, uh, they absolutely could do that. Now, also, you need people inside a company that have the ability to do this stuff. Yes. They shouldn't be able to see your password. Your password should be hashed uh, and preserved. And I believe that there has not been an allegation that, that Twitter isn't doing that. But you need people to be able to see email addresses and users to manage a platform. You just don't need 5,000 people to have that access. And in fact, anybody who's worked at a place where you're like, hey, I need to log into this database and you had an IT person say, no, you don't. And you've had to fight for that access, whatever it was. You're dealing with an admin yes. who understands this and is like, I'm not going to give it to you unless I'm absolutely sure you have to have it. And there is a situation for which I can very, very clearly picture where this is a problem that grows because you've got a lot of strong minded people who just want to fix things. Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to do it is fine. Just give them admin access or Even he sys gets admin system administrator access yeah. is usually one of the highest access to a system. Uh, if you make everyone a sys admin, it has no meaning every anymore and anybody could do anything. Now here's where it gets troubling. And this is where we kind of cross into the line. I mean, although weirdly Twitter is politics now. So just talking about Twitter itself is, is a, a political implication, but this is where we get into something a little bit more serious because one thing it's one thing to have a bunch of strong-willed employees with admin access and that creates a herding cats mentality where you don't know what's going on it's another thing if you've got people that are put into a fast hiring company like twitter from let's say foreign intelligence agencies or uh, 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 political operatives or, or anything like that has there been an allegation to that point from Mudge? All right. Let's imagine. Let's have an imaginary scenario here, Justin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's say there's a company, a country called uh, Frindia. Sure. Okay. And, and Frindia mm -hmm. is run uh, now by a party 
that is controversial because they only want Frindia for the true Frindians. Yes. Uh, and let's say uh, that com- country is, is making it really tough on Twitter because they want Twitter to crack down on their political enemies. Yeah. Well, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't let, think- let, let's say let's say theoretically, maybe people from Palestine. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't think that Twitter uh, would would want to hire an agent of the Frindian government and yes. give them admin access to your data. You would not want that. No, you that would, would not. Be a you bad- would not want you would think like, well, wait a minute. They just want to get in there and and stomp on their political enemies. Right. But if Twitter is is facing like, well, shoot, we won't be able to even operate in India. I'm sorry, Frindia. Frindia. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, and 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 they have a you know a lot of strict rules about operating and, and selling ads. Uh, maybe maybe we should do that. Uh, Mudge alleges that Twitter hired an agent of India's government, which and gave them access to sensitive data. And they knew it was an agent of the government. So this was not yeah, just th- somebody. This was not. I I think I, I always look for the explanation that would make sense to the the person doing it. Yeah, of, you know the rationalization that you do that because people usually don't do something because they're like ha 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 I'm evil. They usually rationalize it, and the rationalization would be, well, yeah, this person also is an agent of the Indian government, but they're also a really good member of this particular community uh, that we want to do outreach with. Uh, it looks and smells to me something like that, where they they hired someone for a legitimate reason and just ignored the fact that they were also <laughs> technically working for the Indian government. Well, no, I mean, what does that either, mean, right? It doesn't mean either, the same thing here like it does there, probably. It's right? either naively ignoring that or willfully ignoring that is is where, where this story hinges. And that's... The example where Twitter knows what they are doing, according to Mudge. And and there is there is also fear that, you know, you have very, very, very tech literate countries that are very concerned about the kind of messages that come through Twitter or organization that happens on Twitter. Uh, Israel comes to mind. Saudi Arabia comes to mind. Qatar comes to mind. Anybody when you when, when you look at people who are buying zero day exploits or rumored to be buying zero day exploits. You would imagine considering the price tag on some of those things that maybe dispatching cousin Oliver to see if he could put it in an application in San Francisco might not be a bad investment. Yeah. As Benny Blanco might say, Twitter made some bad decisions. (laughs) So what, happens now because now we'll we'll kind of move into some of the the current state of Twitter. They are in a lawsuit with Elon Musk in Delaware previous to this revelation. At least most of the coverage seemed to think that Elon's claims were, uh, you know, without a a big leg to stand on. Maybe he knew some of this was happening behind the scenes at the point that he made these decisions. But where does it leave this particular contest? Yeah, so Twitter is saying uh, the filing is inconsistent, that it contradicts itself in certain places, that it's inaccurate, uh, that it's just wrong in some places, and lacking important context, uh, that he only told one side of the story. And if you knew their side of the story, uh, you'd understand that what looks really bad wasn't so bad. Uh, so the SEC is going to investigate. They're going to 
talk to Twitter and they'll come up with some decision. They they may decide that uh, the the filing was being accurate and consistent and lack of context and, and not do anything. Uh, my guess is that whenever you look at these things, you find something because no company is perfect uh, and there will be a small fine or slap on the wrist. Uh, it could also blow up into, oh my gosh, under Parag Agrawal, horrible things were happening. Uh, the shareholders uh, deserve better and getting him removed. I, I don't think that's likely, but it's not impossible. Then Elon Musk's lawyers have subpoenaed Mudge. Uh, so he will be deposed. He will be required to provide many of the documents that support these allegations. And so that is separate from the SEC filing. He's going to weigh in on Twitter and Musk's countersuits uh, against each other over Musk backing out of the Twitter deal. Essentially, this could give Musk a chance to say, well, even if the bots thing isn't bad, look at all this other stuff. Yeah. I I, I could back out for these other reasons. They were hiring uh, agents of a government. They were doing illegal things. They broke their deal with the FTC. Uh, if, if any of these prove true, he could try to use those uh, to convince the judge. Yeah, but look at this. I, you wouldn't have forced me to buy this company with this sort of thing. So that's that's where Zacco is going to help Musk. And he's going to be called in front of the government uh, and and sit there and have senators score points on him uh, for their future election. campaigns. <laughs> Although weirdly. I I don't know where this breaks politically. I kind of feel like he's he's going to get a, a bit of a free ride from both parties because oh he's, he's going to be a friendly witness. Yes. Don't don't get me wrong. They won't yeah. score points on him. No, they will score points on, on talking big tech. to him. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, you've been at this a long time. You've 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 seen controversies come and go you've seen screw-ups by companies you've seen recoveries by companies who have legitimately screwed up where does this rank for you in in the grand scale of oh my god what a mess well the whole thing certainly is in the upper third right uh just just the mess of of dorsey leaving uh agrawal you know, as an outside observer, not making the smoothest uh, upward trend of Twitter. I, I think DeCostolo even even had more positives going for him uh, at the time. Uh, and then this whole thing with, no, we don't want to sell to you. We'll poison pill. Okay, we'll sell to you. Oh, wait, you don't want to buy us. Well, we'll force you to buy us. Uh, while I understand every move on that chessboard as it goes along, it's a, it's a hell of a mess of a game. Uh, and... I haven't quite figured out what's going on. And that's because I don't have all the information. Uh, none of us out here do. Yeah. Uh, Dorsey and Musk and, and Agrawal probably have all the information. Why did Dorsey leave, then support Musk in trying to buy Twitter? Yep. Uh, is there a plan? Is Dorsey would love Twitter. He just recently said again, uh, I wish Twitter was just a protocol. I wish it had never been a company. I wish it was just something that was open source that people could use uh, to to interoperate. I think that would be better. Uh, is there personal issues between Parag Agrawal, Dorsey, uh, and possibly Musk? Uh, when when there was 
you know, uh, problems on Twitter. Uh, did did Agarwal uh, rub Musk the wrong way? Did did Agarwal and, and Dorsey not get along? Is that why Dorsey left? Is that all, also part of what Dorsey's trying to do? Where he he wishes Twitter would be open source? Is he trying to get the company to break apart somehow? I'm not saying he is. I'm saying there is something going on. There is smoke here. I'm just not sure where the fire is. Safe to say that this is not something that happens very often. No. Right? Not at this yeah. level and not at this volume. Generally, somebody tries to buy a company. They either buy it or they don't. Like It, <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't turn it may, into maybe will Maybe the government they. gets involved at some point because of what In they own antitrust or what they don't. Of like, or, well, yeah. is this too big of a company? I don't know. Yeah, this, this should have been a pretty straightforward deal. Of course, anytime Elon Musk gets involved in something, it amps the attention on it by 10. Uh, so that's part of of what may makes this such a mess is just the increased attention on it that you wouldn't otherwise get. But, but yeah, there's the fact that the fact that Mudge got brought in and he very clearly got brought in on the Dorsey Musk side yes. of this uh, means, well, okay. He's friends with Dorsey. Uh, Dorsey hired him. So Dorsey might have convinced him. I don't know that, but if Dorsey did convince him to do this, why is it to get back at Agarwal? Is it to help Elon Musk? Is it both? Is it neither? I have no idea. It makes the Musk part of it make a little bit more sense to me. Yeah. If he knows that, I mean, there's, there's reporting that says that he wanted to subpoena a Mudge before this official whistleblower thing uh, uh, came out to the SEC. So we can reasonably assume that that in some kind of back channel, at least closer to when he uh, got into this lawsuit for for Twitter, if not before, if not closer to when he decided to to plant his flag on this bots thing, that maybe it was not him trying to moonwalk away from the deal, which weirdly became this like online consensus and everything's such a funhouse mirror whenever you're talking about Elon Musk. So, so I, I really don't know what, what, what to believe there from my perspective, but it does make sense to me if he knows that there is some kind of evidence and that there is somebody with Mudge's reputation, not only in the hacker community for which he is a sainted man, but also with cooperation with the government because he worked with 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 DARPA, that's a pretty unassailable uh, uh, character to be saying something. The, the things, the inflammatory things that he is saying about Twitter. No one is above reproach, but Mudge does not strike most people as being someone easily manipulated. It wouldn't yes. be, you know, Musk cuts him a deal and like, Hey, I'll, I'll give you a million dollars. If you like, it doesn't, he isn't that type of guy. So that's very unlikely. Again, nothing's impossible, but I find that unlikely. When I look at these things from the outside, when you don't have evidence, I like to try to just con construct a scenario that fits what we do know. We do know that Musk told everyone if Twitter takes me to court, they're going to regret it because I'm going to air their dirty laundry. Yeah. Musk would know what Twitter's dirty laundry is from talking to Dorsey. Yes. Uh, Dorsey apparently is motivated uh, to help Musk and for motivations unknown. Uh, it is a company that he founded, so you would think he'd want to protect it, but he seems a little antagonistic. He's been, he's been on it. the record about how much he's hated the board and, exactly. and how much the right. board has tortured him, how much that, that they he he has. I don't know the, the, the idea of him torpedoing even just the current incarnation of the board 
seems yeah. like something that would be consistent with with following Dorsey's statements. So one could imagine that Dorsey and Mudge are friends, uh, and Dorsey and Mudge is probably not happy with Parag Agrawal uh, for firing him uh, when he is, by all accounts, perfectly competent, and then having Agrawal tell everybody he's incompetent. Uh, although Agrawal didn't say that publicly till after the filing, so yeah. it, it wouldn't be that that motivated him. But I could see Dorsey saying, "Look, Mudge, you know, you know that guy is trouble. Uh, he needs to be stopped. You need to let people know." I need to get back at the shareholders. Uh, we can't let the shareholders suffer. Why don't you go on record with this stuff? It's important. Look at what happened on January 6th. That's important. I, I could see a persuasive argument there to get Mudge to say, you know what? You're right. I need to go on record with this stuff. And going to the SEC is the right move. And Dorsey and Musk both knowing that, well, yeah. once we've gotten him to go to the SEC with this, then we can subpoena him. Uh, and then all that dirty laundry that Musk said would get dragged into court gets dragged into court. And this laundry is dirty. It's dirty. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it is. This is some soiled linens. That, if that are this being is aired. laundry, it's dirty. It's right. dirty. It is, yeah. it is for real dirty. Uh, uh, so what is the next step here? What 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 happens next in this process? Uh, next week, uh, Zacco gets deposed. Uh, that that's the next thing that's going to happen. Uh, you don't have the, the by Twitter. the SEC or or in the no by by Musk's uh, by attorneys. Musk's attorneys. Okay, uh, and then he has to submit documents to the court. Uh, that trial takes place in October. Uh, I imagine sometime between the deposition and the trial, you might see Congress uh, get get Zacco in in front of a mic. Uh, at a hearing. So that might be the next thing you see on this. I imagine the SEC investigation just drags on for a couple of three months. That that might be the last thing you hear is the SEC's decision. Uh, they they can move faster sometimes. So I, I, they, they might come earlier, but my guess is you hear about it in that order. There's the deposition and any leaks, you know, out of that there's congressional hearings. There's the actual trial where more stuff comes out and then the SEC investigation sometime after that. Do you believe that the the Delaware trial would be wrapped up before we see any kind of official declaration by the SEC? Ooh, good question. I don't know. I don't get a. I don't have a good sense of how long that that chancery court usually goes. Uh, if I'm just making an educated guess, uh, no, I think we probably don't get that decision uh, fast. Although both sides are pushing for for this to go faster. Certainly Musk is pushing for it to go faster or, or, or actually no Musk is pushing for it to go slower. So there's a little push pull there. Uh, the court seems to want it to go faster though. So I, I would say you probably don't get a decision until after the sec, but, but that's a push. Honestly. I would, I mean, if I were Musk, I would want him to push in. I mean, like, Hey, look, this is not my, pr- I mean, like, like if I'm going to buy this company, even if it's through a settlement, which I think yeah, he didn't, he didn't want the trial to happen until next April. So yeah. Yeah. Which also it's like, you know, but re- reading the tea leaves, the 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 push of this of, of of putting your feet in the sand on this for Musk is probably to get a discount on the price for which he agreed upon that has you know, reflected a share price that is no longer a reality. Right. I have no idea what his Who end knows? game is anymore. Who knows, right? right? Yeah. yeah. I, I used to think that. I was like, okay, the most likely thing is he he wants to get the price down. But, and we haven't gone to court yet. I would think if that was the game, that would happen, that that offer would be made and accepted before the trial starts. Uh, and 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 maybe this SEC stuff coming out and, and deposing 
uh, Zako, aka Mudge, uh, is the stick that moves that to happen. Uh, but I'm not 100% convinced that he even wants to buy it anymore. And he may have wanted to buy it, and that may have been his game, and he changed his mind, too. I, I, I don't know. <sighs> yeah. I tend to think if he's this far down the rabbit hole, unless this is just, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a blood pact with Dorsey to, to just <laughs> rip every stone of this yeah. castle he built uh, uh, down, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, my, my, my sense is that he wants it. But he, he doesn't you never get know. into the whole thing if he didn't contemplate owning it at some point, right? Yeah. Whether he found something, although I can't imagine he would find something that Dorsey wouldn't have been able to tell him about ahead of time, but maybe he found something that changed his mind or maybe he just got tired of the whole thing. I don't know. Well, uh, it feels like uh, uh, what what seemed to be a complicated and quixotic path about technology and business and one of the most controversial men in America now has added a political and foreign intrigue element uh, up to and including the fact that like, I, I would like to see intelligence estimates on, on whether or not the intelligence community believed that there was any kind of infiltration of, of Twitter. Cause you got to imagine yeah. something like this has to be on their radar. I don't get the sense that there's any domestic intelligence for the U S uh, concerns yet. Uh, I, I haven't seen any buzz about that, but uh, maybe I missed it. Uh, it's the Indian stuff within India where the BGP, uh, BJP was was trying to get into Twitter and, and squelch their political enemies. That's where the, the dynamite seems to be. Uh, but it doesn't seem to affect U.S. intelligence well, at this know. point. What we didn't mention, we we only mentioned briefly, was you know the Federal Trade Commission may reopen its investigation here and and look at whether Twitter broke that agreement. Yeah, because uh, they have a consent decree with the FTC on how to treat user data, and Zacco says they broke it. And there's also the intelligence element of, uh, you know, if the Indian government was just trying to infiltrate Twitter, then maybe there's a reason why the American intelligence community doesn't want to talk so much about it because yep, there's a, a home field advantage. Anyway, reckless speculation, but it's not reckless to say that Tom Merritt is the best in the game when it comes to uh, uh, technology, but also he is our UK correspondent on the way out the door here, Tom, a uh, big trust. Is it is it trust time? Listen, listen. I I don't want people to get the idea that I have a favorite here, but uh, I did tell you to watch Liz Truss early on in the game, and uh, you does, did. Does seem like uh, you're going to uh, in Liz you trust in the and that's, UK. That's coming up soon, right? Uh, uh, the they're they're in in the final stages of of deciding between yeah. uh, her and Rishi and Rishi Sunak. Yeah, I. Uh, I, got, I came real close to joining the conservative party so I could try to vote. You're Andrew not, Heaton found out that you don't have to be a citizen of the UK to join the conservative party. What? Really? And then if you join the conservative party, you get to vote on the conservative party leader. Wow. They have now, a, 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 an absentee ballot. When I, when I looked into it after Heaton told me that, uh, I found that they can also turn down your membership for any reason. So if a bunch of us all tried to pile in on the conservative party, they just, they would just wouldn't accept the applications, but, but yeah, it's uh it's at least technically possible. Mm. Apparently. 
daily technically possible news show. <laughs> Maybe that's that's a new angle for you. Uh, yeah. um, um, did you listen to the most recent uh, C-SPAN, The Weekly? Uh, was it the movie one? Yeah, Boris Johnson's movie oh, references. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just the best. Just the uh, best. I know. Norman. It's such a good. In fact, I, I am going to have him... On uh, a word with Tom Merritt, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the word transparency. So look for that in the next month or so. I cannot cannot wait cannot wait uh, uh, to see more uh, more more Mortman around for a show that's like eleven minutes. It it just it, I, I've never been happier for eleven minutes. Like it makes me feel like a schmuck that I have to go an hour uh, 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 to try to please people. He just does it in eleven minutes. He's he's, he's, <laughs> he's an a amazing genius. person. A yeah, genius. he really is. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, man. And that's going to wrap it up for us today. Politics, politics, politics is written and recorded by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to uh, thank Tom Merritt for being on the program, you can do so by heading on over to px3guest.com. You want to write us a email Tell us that we're doing great, we're doing bad, whatever you want. TheYoungAmerican at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter, PX3Tweets. Follow me on Twitter at Justin R. Young. You can follow me live on Twitch, PX3Live.com, and my Substack, PX3Newsletter.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy, PX3Podcast.com. Of course, you can support us, this wholly independent organization, by hitting us up with a one-time donation, paypal.me slash payjury. Our Venmo is justin-young-20, and our cash app is px3cash. Send checks and anything else you'd like in the mail to P.O. Box, 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. Of course, the only way that you can get our bonus content is by heading on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week, covering all the news that we miss in our free twice-a-week podcasting schedule. Or if you want that, plus your name read, at the end of the program, you can do so by heading on over, take politics seriously, sign up at the $10 level, or bump your pledge to the $10 level, and you become part of the Titanic $10 tier, like these fine folks, our newest member of the Titanic $10 tier, the Finn Fizzler himself, Matthew. MC Dradio, Unsafe DB Levels, Katie, Amanda. Congratulations, Katie. Amanda, Ye Old Pinball Shop, DP4 Bongo, Neemeister, Catherine, Todd, persons familiar with the matter, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Edison, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA Select Start, Dr. G, Neil, Charles, Darren, 100 Mile Runner, Idris Arslandian, Blue Front and the Lenina, DL, Steven, Chad, Nomadic Terran, Diana, Turn 2, Miranda, Janelle, Adam, Chief, Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, is awesome. Brad Richard D. Laser, just another pilot, middle aged Mike who loves Frank Got Abducted, Utah Jimmy Montana, the Gen A L D L D L D. Really? 
Chopper. Andrew and Joshua, you want to join their ranks? Only one place to do it. Take politics seriously.com. On Friday's edition of the program, we will bring you Bill Share, Washington Monthly, and Real Clear Politics. He is going to explain from his point of view what the messaging needs to be from the Democrats to avoid the fate that has befallen, I believe he says, uh, 33 of the 36 Congresses backed by the president's party, the party in power, and that is losing their majority. It has only happened three times where the party gained seats in the House. Why was that? how the Democrats can do it and what they need to talk about to make sure it happens. That's all coming up on Friday's episode. Till then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.